Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I've got a bit of a surprise mini episode for those of you going about your sunny weekends today. There was some pretty cool news out in most of the major publications about a breakthrough in the science of living forever. Scientists have rejuvenated a woman's skin as part of the pursuit of tackling diseases that come with aging. Some say this is a step towards aging more gracefully and less painfully, which is fantastic news for all of us as we're all on that aging train. Others believe we might be able to live forever once we cure certain steps. And if you view aging as a disease, then why not? Why can't you sort of, well, I don't know the science. Look, I immediately got on the old blower to my mate, Dr. Andrew Steele, who wrote Aging, the new science of getting older without getting old. Link in the show notes. He was, of course, on episode 34 of this here podcast. So do catch up with that for something fuller. And Andrew has his own YouTube page under his name with a full stop after it. So you know it's his one. Anyway, we just spoke for 20 minutes and I've edited it down to a nice 20-minute episode, a bite-sized one if you will. If you ever do check out the YouTube page of this podcast, this is probably the time to do it because we both have really nice cameras and I've really edited it nicely into two five-minute videos. The first already up and the second will be up on Tuesday. I'm really proud of that Um, and that's just On The Edge with Andrew Gold on YouTube. Come subscribe. Um, There are more and more people who listen to the audio who are coming to the YouTube uh, page and on Monday and Thursday night 9pm we do um, we put the episode up live you know like a premiere and we all chat on the side little chat box like in the 90s but now this is totally new content we've just had this chat about what it would be like to be the last person ever to die and the five sciencey things that they have to cure for us to be able to live forever that second bit does get a bit sciencey, so don't worry if you don't understand all of it. I certainly didn't, but it's really interesting just to hear a scientist describe potential immortality with such passion and verve. You're on the edge forever with Dr. Andrew Steele. If we do get to a point in the future where we, we solve aging completely, do, do you think that there will be a last person to to ever die presumably there has to be someone right it's a strange idea isn't it but you know i'd be absolutely baffled if we came back in the year 3000 and we hadn't basically cured aging we had people whose risk of death was invariant depending on how long ago they were born and that means there probably is going to be someone who's part of that sort of last 
aging generation there's going to be a point at which you know the last person ever is going to die of old age i don't think no one's ever going to die ever again you know people can still get hit by buses or spaceships or whatever is around to hit them in the year 3000 they're still going to be probably infectious disease but there is going to be the last person who's you know a bit wrinkly a bit gray gets cancer essentially because they're old and then everyone after that they're just going to die in different ways and that's a really sort of fascinating and strange thought isn't it They'll be looking, but it'll be some like some sort of dystopian future movie, isn't it? And they all look back, and because I'm thinking of Children of Men, which I think it was the last person to give birth became famous. So I guess the last person to die would become famous. The difference being nobody would, uh, that person would not then be conscious to enjoy that, you know, notoriety or celebrity. Yeah, and it's a strange thing to sort of look back on and to have this historical figure, the last person to die of old age. It's sort of a, a tragic idea, isn't it? So, yeah, I hope I hope it's not me. You'd be really pissed off, wouldn't you? Do you think we'll, Do you think we could live forever? Can I live? Will I live forever? Because I, I still, obviously, look. Nobody wants to think about dying. Some people pretend they're okay with it, but I don't think they are. And obviously, religions were invented as partly for that, you know, so we can think that okay, everything's going to be fine after I go. And I've got some sort of cognitive dissonance, I think, where I tell myself all the time, like, oh, "I'll be fine." I spoke to Doctor Andrew Steele. Everything's going to be fine. Um, so you're sort of my last, um, my last hope. <laughs> Well, no pressure. I think um, that that word forever, I'm always really hesitant about because there's always, you know, at at the end of the day, forever is a very, very long time. Like if you're going to go like super theoretical about this, there is some point at which the universe is going to undergo heat death. You know, the laws of thermodynamics tell us that there is a finite length of time that, you know, living beings can exist for. Now that might be hundreds of billions of years, but it's still not forever. So, you know, you've really got to wonder about what exactly that might mean. However, I do think that there's a chance of us living much, much longer than we think of, you know, as a normal lifespan today. And actually, I think when people look back on us in the future, they're going to think it was a sort of weird, barbaric, horrible age, just as, you know, we look back on the 18th century or the 17th century or prehistory, and we think about all of those people who died of infectious disease. That, that must have been, you know, obviously there were, it wasn't a terrible time to be alive in every way. I'm sure people had fun and people had, you know, fascinating relationships and there were lots of exciting historical things going on. But actually, I'd far rather live in a world without all of this infectious disease. And in the same way, I'd far rather live in a world without, you know, the cancer, the dementia, the heart disease, all of these things that come along with ageing. So forever's a long time, but I'm still really optimistic about what we, what we might achieve in our lifetimes. What about with this, the sort of, what is it, heat death, was it, of the universe? Right? <laughs> yes, yeah, so, well, that's so far in the future, though. It's so we're talking about billions of years. You imagine what we might have invented to sort of—I mean, so far we've sort of overcome the laws of nature to an extent, right? And and by curing aging, we would have done so even more. We're playing God, so to speak. So, is it not possible that even after all of that, we've created our own energy, energy sources? We've created our own whatever by then. It's a really interesting question, and actually, there's um, there's if you want to get like super nerdy and super philosophical yes. about this, there are some people who wonder about it. And the, the, the important thing as far as, you know, you or me or whatever beings exist in the future, be they human or be they, you know, crazy, uh, you know, consciousnesses made out of pure energy or something. The thing is, what matters to them is what's called subjective time. So it doesn't matter how much time's actually passing out in the, the sort of real universe. What matters is how, how rapidly you can have experiences. And there are actually some sort of philosophers and physicists who think that if we really cleverly engineered some device, we'd be able to have infinite subjective time in a finite amount of actual time. What that would mean is that we could potentially, you know, live forever perhaps wow. inside some kind of computer simulation that was running incredibly, incredibly fast. The real question is, you know, does that defy the laws of physics in some way? And I think um, <laughs> I'm not qualified to answer that question. I'm not sure anybody is. But there's definitely, you know, the possibility for living vast, vast, you know, billions and billions and billions and billions of years of subjective time in something that's far, far longer, uh, far, sorry, far, far shorter in the actual universe. 
That's amazing. That's I'm thinking of Inception um, because the dream time was slower, you know, and then Rick and Morty as well. Did you just watch? <laughs> I presume you, of course, you watched Rick and Morty. The what was it? It was called something like oh, what was the name of the? You become a you become someone whose name is like Luke or something. Roy, it was called. Um, you bec- it was a, it was an arcade game where um, Morty didn't know what he was doing, um, and he sat down and put this game on his head. And then he lived an entire life as somebody called Roy. He, you know, got had a job and a wife and kids, and um, he got cancer and overcame it. And he got go, and it was such a beautiful life. And it was really beautiful. And finally, you know, after a long life, he he sort of accepted he was old and died. And then he woke up again as Morty and went, ah, oh, oh, what happened? Because he didn't even know. And Rick was like, ah, oh, you did terribly there. You didn't even you did what? You became like a. He worked in an office. That was your that was your life as Roy. Brilliant, mate. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, we've all sort of had that experience in our everyday lives, right? Especially if you play computer games, actually. You sit down for a quick 10-minute session of something, and four hours later, it's 2 a.m., and you're wondering, you know, oh, my God, I've got to get up for work in the morning. And clearly, you know, we experience this idea of fast and slow subjective time in our everyday lives. The question is, you know, can we create computer systems in the far, far future that could allow us to have, you know, experiences much, much faster, live a million subjective years in an hour? It's a fascinating thing, isn't it? It is, and that one last person to die will miss out on all of it. <laughs> that's the strange thing isn't it because you feel like if you get to the point where we've cured aging and you've got a few hundred or even a few thousand years like what is technology what are computers going to look like at that point in the future it's a genuinely amazing thought oh man i hope we get to see it <laughs> me too i really don't want to be that last dude <laughs> <laughs> tell me a little bit about the five hallmarks of aging that we can beat There are actually 10 hallmarks of ageing, but I guess for the sake of YouTube, I'm not going to go through every single one of them. I thought I'd just pick out five that I'm most excited by. And these are five, not only things that cause the ageing process, but they're things that we've got an idea of how to treat them as well. I think the first exciting one is senescent cells. These are aged cells that accumulate in all of our bodies as we get older. And we know that they accelerate various aspects of the ageing process. And we've actually got drugs that we can use to remove these senescent cells and leave the rest of the cells of the body intact. And we know that if you give mice these senolytic drugs, as they're called, then that removes these senescent cells and basically makes them biologically younger. They live longer, they get fewer diseases, um, they run further and faster on tiny little treadmills that they use in these experiments. (laughs) They even have better fur. They just look fantastic. So this really does seem to be slowing down the whole of the ageing process. Then we've got something like um, telomeres. A lot of people ask me about telomeres. They're these protective caps on the end of our DNA. And every time your cells divide, those telomeres get shorter and shorter. And the fact they get shorter means that eventually they get critically short, and that can be something that causes all kinds of diseases, and eventually might even be something that goes on to kill you. But we've got an enzyme called telomerase that can extend these telomeres. And there have been experiments done in mice where we give them a temporary dose of this telomerase, it extends their telomeres, and it makes them live longer and healthier lives. So that's potentially something we could think about translating into humans as well. We've also got the microbiome, which is something that happens uh, as all of us get older. The bugs inside our, particularly our guts, our intestines, change in their nature. We get older, um, we get sort of a more, a less diverse, I should say, a less diverse collection of these bugs. And because they're less diverse, they're often more aggressive. They seem to contribute to ageing in various different ways. And we've done experiments, and these have actually been done in fish, fascinatingly enough. If you give fish a microbiome transplant, so you give some old fish the microbiome, basically, not to put too fine a point on it, it's a poo transplant. You give some old fish some poo of the younger fish, then their microbes, their bacteria and fungi spread around their intestines. And again, they seem to make them biologically younger. How would that work with humans then? You have to, because there are poo transplants, aren't there? Yeah, yeah, there are. They're actually, you know, already used in medical practice. This isn't just theoretical. It's often used for uh, getting rid of things like bacterial infections in your intestines. If you've got a particularly persistent uh, intestinal infection, then they give you one of these poo transplants from someone with a healthy microbiome, and it clears out those 
those nasty bugs. And these can literally be poo transplants. Sometimes they're given uh, from that end. Other times they freeze dry them and put them in a little capsule that you pop like a pill. Um, there might be other ways of doing this, things like probiotics. You know, we've, we've all seen probiotic yogurts and drinks and that sort of stuff. So we might come up with ways that we can do this without having to ingest someone else's freeze dried fecal matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah ideally and then what, what what else is it immune system's another one isn't it yeah i think the immune system is one of the most exciting hallmarks that we can do something about and actually that's really been rammed home in the last couple of years because the immune system is just so so critical to our functioning as we get older the thing that's been rammed home for all of us recently of course is coronavirus we've seen that people who are in their 80s before vaccination of course were literally hundreds of times more likely to die of covid than someone who caught the disease in their 20s or their 30s and of the many reasons for that one of the key ones is that our immune system gets weaker as we get older and there are drugs that are in trials that can boost the function of the immune system with age and actually you know regardless of what the next pandemic looks like if we all just had biologically younger immune systems when it hits that'd be a really great thing and then the last one is it epigenetic reprogramming yes and this is something that's really been big in the news recently so as we get older the epigenetics inside our cells change and the epigenome is that bit that's on top of the dna so the dna is our instruction manual that's inside every one of our cells and the epigenome is this sort of collection of chemical tags that tells that DNA how to behave in a particular cell. So it's why your, your skin cells behave like skin cells, it's why your brain cells behave like brain cells and so on. And we've noticed that this delicate pattern of epigenetic marks changes as you get older. But actually we've also found that there are these four genes, they're called the Yamanaka factors, and you can insert them into a cell and it seems to basically, uh, it reprograms those epigenetic factors. It puts them all back into their original, more youthful positions and seems to be able to turn back the clock inside cells. It also seems to be able to turn back the clock, we think, inside whole animals. There been sort of first few tentative trials have shown this in mice and this stuff is so exciting um we've had literally billions of investment in it there's a, a new company called altos labs that was founded by jeff bezos and yuri milner and a few other uh, really really big name investors and they put three billion dollars toward you know sort of pinching all the best scientists who do this stuff around the world to try and turn this from an idea that works in cells an idea that's just starting to work in mice to something that might work in people oh my god and how i mean how optimistic are you that we'll be able to reverse the aging or, or slow down the aging process in the, in the next sort of few years it's a really good question and i think this epigenetic reprogramming thing particularly sometimes i talk about it as being it's a bit like a technology that's fallen through a wormhole from the future because on the one hand we've got this incredible way of literally you know reversing the arrow of time in cells in a dish but on the other the way that you do that and you know in our current iteration of the technology is you put these incredibly powerful genes these yamanaka factors they're they're able to turn a cell back you know right to the embryonic stage the stage that our cells are at just after the sperm has fertilized the egg and obviously that's something we don't want to do in adult humans you know i want my liver cells to stay liver cells and do the things that liver <laughs> cells do i don't want them to turn back into some kind of embryonic blob um so what we need to do is find a way you know that we can tame this technology and take this incredibly powerful bit of biology you know is 21st century biology medicine technology sufficient that we can get this incredibly powerful idea and turn it into something we can actually use for humans so that you know could happen in the next few years or it could be a lot further off but some of those other things I talked about, you know, microbiome transplants, we already do. That's very, very plausible as an idea. These senolytic drugs, they already work in mice. So it's definitely, you know, the sort of broader idea of anti-aging is something that could be with us in the next few years. We might just live forever. Yeah, I mean, it's very difficult to say how long humans are going to live once we start developing these technologies. Because there's this really exciting aspect that if you live long enough to take the first generation of these drugs, then that's going to mean you live a little, little bit longer. And in those extra few years that the drugs have bought you, you know, maybe scientists are going to develop the next generation of drugs and the generation after that. So that's not not to say we're going to live indefinitely it might not be immortality that's on the cards but you could certainly live a lot longer than you're expecting based on the life expectancy when you were born 
Thanks for listening. Come check out the YouTube version on On The Edge with Andrew Gold on YouTube and come to our live bits on Monday and Thursday nights. A lot of people listen uh, in the morning on Monday or Thursday and then they come to the the video version at 9pm UK time so we can all chat about it while it plays a second time. Um, Or go back to episode 34 of this podcast to hear a much longer chat with Dr. Andrew Steele about what it would mean to live forever and how we'll get to that point. See you in a couple of days.